What's up, everybody? It's your girls, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay from the Tipsy Ghost. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, we got an idea from a couple of guys at work for a new way to introduce our podcast. Do tell. Okay, so it is now supposed to go. Hey, everyone. This is a Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Okay, I like that. I do have okay. to give credit to my husband because he said when I told him we were naming the podcast The Tipsy Ghost, he was like, that's dumb. You should be the tipsy host because you guys do like true crime too. And you guys are always drinking. And I was like, no, I don't like that. And then it's fair. I mean, it's not wrong. He's not wrong. And then people at work came up with it. I was like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else came up with it. So yeah, it's good now. When it's not him, it's okay. (laughs) To my husband, I am sorry that I made fun of you for suggesting it first. (laughs) But in all fairness, it has to be a combination of the two because I think Tipsy Ghost is great. And we are your tipsy hosts. So tell me what you guys are drinking right now because I'm not drinking. (laughs) Oh, I just had a birthday this week, a hashtag Corona birthday. Happy birthday. I spent it in my backyard drinking wine and having takeout Olive Garden. Honestly, that's that's the best way. And uh, I got a a little special delivery of some Cooper's Hawk wine. And so I am drinking Cooper's Hawk Romance Red. Thank you to uh, my bestie from work. Aww. That sounds really delicious. And I'm going to have to check that out next time. Probably very sweet, right? Oh, all my wines are very sweet, yes. (laughs) Um, I am drinking, what am I drinking? I'm drinking a Scout and Cellar Fieldhouse Chardonnay. It's delicious. You can't see it, though. Um, I'm going to... Well, this is a podcast. Nobody can see it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess this is a great time to mention before we get on to what Lindsay's excitingly drinking, um, that we are practicing social distancing, and we have, up until now, our episodes have been recorded in bulk kind of pre-recording, bulking up on episodes to release. Uh, So we have caught up to real world life (laughs) issues. Stop (laughs) making fun of my speech impediment. Oh, so sorry. Look, we've already established that I can't say words either, so I can make fun of it. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so we are now social distancing and doing remote podcasting. We are no longer in the same place and it's sad but it's only temporary and as soon as the rona blows over and we come back from this and we rebuild as a city casey strong we will come back together and be recording all in the same place Mm -hmm. yeah so So that's why audio might sound kind of different it's a little different being not actually physically together in the same room we're still we're still trying to see each other here on skype so bear with us here through these trying times yes podcasters and coronavirus yes which brings me to what i am drinking tonight which is h2o water because because of the rona i'm picking up extra shifts at work so i work saturday nights now so Mm. saturday nights are our podcasting night and i can podcast but i have to go to work afterwards so no wine for Lindsay. (laughs) Also temporary, Thank you. though. Thank you for your uh, support and being hashtag uh, essential. Yeah. Hashtag Ooh, essential. I'm essential. <laughs> I saw something on Facebook. I never get on Facebook, but I have recently. And it was an ad, of course. And I fell for it, of course. That's why I don't get on Facebook because I always do this. <laughs> but it was from a company. 
Oh gosh, I know. It was from some company that I've already bought through, so I felt more comfortable <laughs> about it. It's from Ben Shot, B-E-N-S-H-O-T. I actually bought Mike one of their shot glasses. It's like a bullet shot glass. It's a shot glass with, looks like a, a bullet is halfway through it. So it's, I mean, it's clever. I don't Are know. Are we sure anyway, so this isn't Ben's hot? No, it's been, <laughs> been shot. And that is Sarah's husband? <laughs> Oh my god, I just got it. Uh, oh gosh. That joke was for you. I am slow on the update. Oh my gosh, that joke was for you and everything. You didn't appreciate it. Oh my god, okay. I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah. Anyway, so I'll the tell product you about is... I like okay. that. So Ben's hot. I got um, a... A whiskey tumbler, a rocks glass, and a wine glass, a 15-ounce wine glass stemless that says it's just uh, etched, glass etched. It says essential for Mike and I. Right. I so did you see the too. picture I posted of Seth Rogen? It's like, I'm essential. Yeah, it's that meme. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's how I feel every time we go into work. We're all essential here. I will say, with all of this going on, as much as it sucks and it's awful, the meme games are on point mm. between this and like Tiger King. I mean, I'm just loving yeah, the Carol Baskins. <laughs> Carol Baskins <laughs> killed her husband, whacked him. <laughs> <laughs> and TikTok. We've gotten into TikTok. Well, two of us have. <laughs> you have. I have not. <laughs> the 30-year-olds are coming for the TikTok, guys. <laughs> the millennial game is strong on TikTok right now. And I can see why it's actually... It's pretty fucking awesome. It's so entertaining, and you can lose yourself for hours in it. That's where I got the Carol Baskin song I just sang to you all. <laughs> I guess I got that reference. You know, lose yourself in the moment. You own it. I try to never let it go. <laughs> I mean, that song's not got on the one TikTok. Shot. The song is blowing up on TikTok, okay? <laughs> it's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> Who? What are we doing today? What's this episode about? Oh. This is our smorgasbord. Oh, our or as favorite I like to word. say, smorgasbord. There it was. Okay. I was waiting for it. I was just sitting back watching it unfold. <laughs> I, got you. I got you. My internet froze a little bit, so I was like a couple seconds behind. <laughs> it's cute there. because whenever your internet freezes, it's always you just with this like <laughs> giant smile on your face, face. And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it is making me laugh quite a bit i'm just like i'm just gonna smile and hopefully they won't notice i'm frozen oh we notice <laughs> we definitely notice but it is entertaining uh, guys i got like a house full and it's like i feel like that old mom who's yelling at the kids get off the wi-fi <laughs> i need to use the internet get off oh gosh get off the internet i need to send a fax remember that <laughs> we did call we did order a faster router because my husband's working from home now. And, you know, we got teenagers who are trying to do school online from home. And I'm like, the internet's a lot slower. Oh, there we go. <laughs> One more. <laughs> Hashtag Rona. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's so funny. It happened while you were explaining. Damn that. it. With your mouth like in an O face like this. <laughs> All right, I'm not explaining that again. Okay. Good story, guys. <laughs> I was like, my story wasn't that funny. <laughs> you know? It was hilarious. Thank you. Uh, 
So, Smorgasbord, like you guys learned the last time, it's where we do whatever we want because we can. And this time we're doing a true crime, conspiracy, and a folklore. Who gets to go first? Not it. Lindsay does, but hang on because I just lost it. (laughs) I know. Are you trying to bring it up on your internet again? (laughs) There it is. There it is. Okay. I had it up on my internet before we started recording and then it went away and I couldn't find it again. I just had an idea and it was a dumb idea. I was like, you guys can always send me your stories and I'll print them for you. But that wasn't effective. Just hold them up on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make a PowerPoint for you. And I'll just be ready for it. <laughs> Please make a PowerPoint for me. Yes, I know. I can get down with PowerPoint. <laughs> Bigger words. I'm pretty good at PowerPoint, actually. Oh, okay. Wow. That's one of my skills I need for my job. Presentations. <laughs> yes. Um. So I am doing it on an unsolved mystery slash conspiracy. I love conspiracies. Yeah. There's a channel on YouTube. Uh, what's her name? Kendall Ray. And she covers all sorts of everything that I'm interested in, um, like missing person cases and conspiracies. And she deep dives into conspiracies. And I am here for it. I love her. If you have a chance, check her out. You will spend an entire night. You will not sleep because you will just be up watching her videos. Well, maybe I'll do that tonight. <gasps> yes. Love it. Oh. <laughs> Did I freeze again? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry, I right, You guys are going to have to keep track if I freeze while I'm doing this story. Don't stop me like 10 minutes later and be like, yeah, you froze a while ago. What's the signal? Give me a hand signal. <laughs> Bare fingers? What is that? <laughs> I froze. I don't know. hey you froze (laughs) stop (laughs) for those of us who are not watching us because this is a podcast and not a video sarah and i both are doing spirit fingers (laughs) as our alert that she is frozen i can't i can't okay alert alert stop alert all right. <laughs> Are we ready, guys? Are we ready? Ready. ready. Nope, nope. We're not ready. funny about it I know I'm crying I'm legit crying here okay Ooh, that's a good ab workout <laughs> oh Louise is coming in strong <laughs> you know and I'm hot dang I'm loud oh do it again do it again <laughs> <laughs> 
freeze during the 10 minutes of laughter. <laughs> okay, stop laughing because I'm going to go into this before I freeze again. I need you two to pull it together right now. I cannot. I'm dying over here. Please don't. Are you blowing your nose? What is happening? I was trying to be silent. <laughs> I'm having like an And I snotted on myself. <laughs> okay. Okay, wait. <coughs> I was doing good until I laughed so hard. Uh, now my I'm. My cheeks hurt. Okay, ready? Okay. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm doing it on. You guys don't even know what I'm doing it on yet. Nope. Sure <laughs> it is the lost colony of Roanoke. Virginia? Ooh, there was an American horror story about this. Yeah, there was a whole season about it. I know. I loved I love that show. AK Oh. <laughs> <laughs> known as Cr- I'm frozen. I am frozen. <laughs> okay. You left off at AKA. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right. Uh, AKA Croatoa. 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 So this happened about August 1587, which is 20 years before the settlement of Jamestown. So a group of about 115 English settlers arrived on Roanoke Island, which is off the coast of not Virginia, but North Carolina. You were wrong, Boydston. Isn't Roanoke in Virginia? Uh, don't know. <clears throat> okay anyway we'll, we'll table we'll table that go I ahead north carolina circle Hold back <clears throat> no it's fine you go ahead i'll look it up while you um proceed roanoke yeah. island is an island um by the outer banks of north carolina <sighs> so anyways 115 english settlers this was the third expedition the first was in 1584 and was successful um they had pretty good relations with the croatoans which was what they called the native americans living on the island Two of the Croatoans even went back to England with them and explained how to live on the island for their second expedition. So then their second expedition came, and it was a disaster. There was a lot of tension between this group and the natives. There was a lot of fighting. Many returned to England, but about 15 stayed behind to protect their fort and their claim to Roanoke Island. So then comes the third expedition in 1587. And this one was the first to include women and children so that they could settle, because they're like, okay, We've done this three times now. This is going to be the real deal. Like, let's see what's happened. So this was the first with women and children. When they arrived, they found one skeleton. And that was a, that's all they found of the previous 15 men who stayed behind um, from the second expedition. Oh, dang. John White is the governor of the new colony. And he decided to sail back to England to gather supplies. However, when he got back to England, there was a major naval war that broke out between England and Spain. And Queen Elizabeth I called for every ship for the war. So he could not go back to Croatoa. He was unable to return until August 1590. So he was gone for about three years, for those doing the math at home. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> he he left. Her. I know. He left behind his wife, his daughter, and his granddaughter. And his granddaughter was the first English child born in the Americas. And her name was Virginia Dare. Fun fact. Fun fact. So he returns three years later and finds not a trace of the colony or the people and very few clues as to what happened. There's no signs of battle, no signs of struggle, no foul play, nothing. All he found was Croatoan carved into a wooden post and C-R-O carved into a tree. Crow. Crow in capital letters. (laughs) 
So all the buildings had been disassembled. The people had been forced to leave in a hurry, is what they assumed. Before he left, he instructed the colonists to carve a Maltese cross in a tree if they were compelled to leave against their... A Maltese cross? Like a dog cross? Against their something. So they were... Did you say a Maltese cross? A Maltese cross. Like a dog cross? Oh. Is Maltese the type of dog? It is. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Then yes, a dog cross in the 1590s. Mm. Whatever that means. Anyway, that's where you left off. Okay. So lots of editing fun for you today. Um... (laughs) So they were instructed to carve this cross into a tree if they were compelled to leave against their will. But when he returned, there was no cross. There's some hypotheses because we still don't know what happened all these years later. I found there's about seven hypotheses or theories about what happened. So one of the most common theories is that they tried to sail back to England on their own and were lost at sea because that's the easiest to explain why there's no bones, why there's no remains, nothing like that. Second theory, killed by another tribe. 1607, John Smith. Who knows John Smith? Pocahontas. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. He was like, dude, I'm going to solve this mystery. So he claimed, and here's some more Pocahontas history, that Chief Powhatan, wasn't that her father? Yeah. So John Smith claimed that Chief Powhatan told him that he had killed the people of Roanoke to retaliate because they lived with a tribe that refused to be his ally. Allegedly, he showed John Smith items from England to prove this. Powhatan also claimed that there was a prophecy that he would be conquered and overthrown by people from that area as another reason why he killed them. So reasons why this is not believed, because there's no bodies, there's no archaeological arco. Archaeological. <laughs> Archaeological. <laughs> I don't think that's right, Lindsay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Words are really hard. I can spell them. I just can't pronounce them. There's none of that evidence. <laughs> it's disputed because there's no bodies or anything to support this. Remember, there was 115 people, so that's a lot of bodies to be missing. So it's possible that he's talking about the 15 people from the second expedition who went missing. Next theory, killed by the Spanish. So if you remember, you know, England and Spain were in that intense war for a few years, which is why the governor could not come back. So there was also Spanish troops in Florida during that time. And one of the issues that Spain and England were fighting over was colonization of the Americans. Spangland, is that what you're trying to say? Spangland and colonization of Americas, not not the (laughs) Americans. There was no Americans, really, just the Native Americans. (laughs) So there's a theory that the Spanish troops in Florida traveled north to kill the England settlements um, as part of the war. Again, this is not believable because there's no bodies. And the Spanish themselves were looking for them 10 years later in 1600. So the Spanish didn't seem to even know what happened to them. Next theory, um, and this is the most popular theory, is that they moved further inland and integrated into friendly tribes. Um, So Jamestown documents four men from Roanoke living among the Iroquois tribe. Um, and colonists also talk in their journals and diaries about meeting gray-eyed Indians who look to have descendants from white settlers that were blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Oh, wow. That ain't right. It's the most popular because it's documented from so many different sites and different people about Native Americans who were in tribes but who looked like they descended from um, white people. Another theory is that they were captured as slaves. 
So Jamestown documents also describe Europeans living with the Eno tribe as slaves, but no evidence that they were from Roanoke settlers. And then um, another one, disease. A good old fashioned plague is what did them in, which we know. You What's that? About. <laughs> What's a plague? I don't know. It's it's this thing that, you know. Lindsay, what's a pandemic? <laughs> a pandemic? I know this now. Oh, no, please don't. Please so don't. I'm not going to go into it again. So a good old-fashioned plague is the next theory. There was a lot of internal struggles between the tribes and between um, the tribes and the colonists and even like a lot of fighting in between the colony itself. And so they theorized that the healthy could have wanted to get rid of the sick, leaving the sick to die on their own. And this explains the multiple sightings of different Europeans and different tribes, like they kind of all split up um, to reduce spreading the plague. But doesn't tell us what happens to the bodies of the sick people. So right. That's a hole in there. Next one. This is kind of my favorite. Witchcraft. Ooh. I, li- I like witchcraft. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> Not to practice it. Right, right, right. You're right. I better clarify. <laughs> Okay, so either the Croatoan executed the colonists because they thought that they were witches, or the colonists were victims of witches who lived in the woods. Witches get stitches. I have heard this. It's true. <laughs> Except for uh, witches. Okay, we're going to go with it. I like we're it. We're going to go with that, guys. It, it works. So the Croatoans believed in witchcraft, um, and, but there is no evidence that Croatoans executed witches or that they even accused people of witchcraft. But the tribes do tell stories and legends of witches who live in the North Carolina woods who used black magic to hurt other people. So it is possible that Roanoke was a victim to this. Next theory is cannibalism. Hmm. So (laughs) either the victims were cannibals and they had to resort to it to stay alive or. No, there's no or. (laughs) (laughs) Or they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I said either. <laughs> either implies an or. There was no or. <laughs> there was no or. Or they die. Uh, so they theorized that the victims, um, they had to resort to cannibalism to stay alive because they ran out of food. They didn't have supplies like he was going back to get, all of that stuff. And natives, you know, as we've kind of learned from history, have used all parts of the body, including bones, which could explain why no bodies have been found because they used every part of the body back then. But there's no definitive evidence that there were any tribes of cannibals in the area at that time. So it's more possible that they had to resort to it themselves, which could also explain how they saw multiple different tribes had different people like the the people who ate other people survived (laughs) right all right and then there is uh the last theory which is supernatural or religious it kind of falls under this so natives believe in a wild spirit called the wendigo have you heard of this boydston no well mm, i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) fill us in please we don't know is what we're trying to say. Okay. Maybe. I feel like I've heard of it, but not that much about it. When people resort to cannibalism, their bodies are taken over by a Wendigo. <gasps> yes. Uh, this was on, um, what's the, what's the one? It's a TV show, Gr- Gr- Grim. It was on Grim. <laughs> Greek, Greek, Greek. <laughs> okay. Listen. Okay. I have a speech impediment and you are an asshole. <laughs> 
<laughs> how many times do you make fun of me for how I just say ideological? That's how I make myself feel better, okay. and you know it. Yeah, bring other people down. I see it. I see it. Okay. <laughs> so you have heard of this then? Yes. So their bodies are taken over. If the people of Roanoke became cannibals, then they're still alive, roaming the woods as Wendigos. They also believed in a spirit on the island to absorb humans into the landscape. So if the spirit was offended or angered, you know, because people are killing people or eating people, then it would turn them into trees, animals, or stone. Worse. Terrifying. Yeah. And there's also a reptilian devil of the woods, which is an evil spirit that could attach itself to people and make them violent and greedy and paranoid. Yeah. There's all these theories out there. And here's just some fun stuff I found. It's not really fun. But Croatoan has like a weird history, which I didn't really know about so here's some fun stuff and by fun i mean our level of fun in our brand of humor creepy fun Mm -hmm. yeah creepy fun perfect Mm -hmm. edgar Allan poe allegedly one of his last words was croatoan he disappeared before his death and when he was found again he was delirious official cause of his death is unknown but his medical records and his dearth death certificate (laughs) is his derp certificate (laughs) they're lost we don't know what killed him but allegedly, his last word was Croatoan. <laughs> I'm still on derp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then, in 1888, a stagecoach robber, Black Bart, carved Croatoan into his cell wall before being released. And when he was released, he was never seen or heard from again. Amelia Earhart. We all know her. She's from Kansas. Who's that? Is she really? I think she is, isn't she? <laughs> Hold on. What are we doing? Why are we holding? I'm trying to figure out where she's from now. That's... Oh, okay. We all know that she disappeared in 1930, or I don't remember when she disappeared. She's but... from Atchison, Kansas, FYI. I knew Very it. Very cool. I did not know that. So she disappeared, and Croatoan was written in her journal before she disappeared. No, is that true? That's what the internet told me, and everything on the internet is true. <laughs> this is a all fact. right, proceed. Ambrose Bierce which is a horror writer, slept in a bed that had Croatoan carved into one of the posts. He disappeared in Mexico in 1913 after sleeping in that bed. Never seen again. 1921, Croatoan was written on the last page of a logbook of the ship Carol A. Deering when it crashed on Cape Hatteras near Croatoan Island. The entire crew went missing and were never found. This is a scary word. Isn't it? Like all these like people writing it and then they're disappearing and they're never found again. I'm still kind of having trouble yeah. understanding, like, what does it mean? <laughs> the Croatoan? It was just it's like the Native Americans were called the Croatoans. Yeah. But so I guess, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I get that it's like everything, everybody writes it and then something bad happens, but. That's the mystery. Okay. All right. All right. So can, here's I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I can dig. Mm-hmm. So here's, it's a recent update with Croatoan and the Lost Colony. These are called the Dare Stones. So from 1937 to 1940, a series of stones was discovered that supposedly tell the story of what happened to Roanoke. They were written by John White's daughter, Eleanor Dare. Just a moment. Get up off me, Siri. I swear to God. <laughs> Did you see me jump? Like, that scared me. <laughs> I heard her. I heard her <laughs> jump in like we were talking to her. Get out of here. Ah, she scared me. Okay. So written by John White's daughter, Eleanor Dare, which is why they're the Dare Stones. So it was considered to be a hoax. But many historians believe that the first stone found is actually authentic. This is what it said. Anias 
Ananias Dare <laughs> and Virginia went hence unto heaven 1591. So that's her husband and her daughter. So that's what the first stone said. And then it also said, and this is like old English guys, so I'm not sure how to pronounce some of this. Anye, Englishman, shoe, John White, and like G-O-V-R for governor, via. So yeah, the other side reported that only seven of the colonists were left alive and Native Americans murdered the rest. It was signed E.W.D., which is her name, Eleanor White Dare. In 1940, there was 47 more stones that were found dating up to 1599. One stone stated that the survivors were safe and living with a tribe in what is now Georgia. Like I said, many historians examined them and they declared them all fake by 1941 as they were found to be created with the drill, which they did not have back then. (laughs) But many believe that the first stone is authentic, but the other... 47 stones or not. There was the Lost Colony of Roanoke DNA Project um, in 2007 that was founded by Roberta Estes. So she collected DNA from local families there to try to figure out if they're descendants of the Roanoke settlers. So far, no DNA has been found to link them to the Roanoke colonists. And that's my story. Dang, Very interesting. Girl. I've actually always been curious about the colony of Roanoke. Do you, did you guys ever see The Witch, the movie The Witch? Yes. Is the witch based off of that movie no. too? Oh, okay. I was way wrong. No, I think it's just like that same time period and stuff like that. There's a lot of creepy shit that happened in the witch too, that movie. Yes, 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 yes. I don't actually, I don't know. That was one of those movies where I finished it and I was like, what just happened? Okay, is everybody ready to be terrified? We're ready! <laughs> yes. Terrify us. Are, are, are you sure? Yes. I'm ready. Lindsay might glitch out for... I might pee my pants. More pee. Okay. We are going to travel to the land of down under. Australia. Yeah. Australia. Uh, I learned while I was typing this up that I like to spell Australia with two eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, like Spanish style. Is that how they spell Australia? (laughs) (laughs) I was frozen. I don't know how you spell Australia. I thought in Spanish, like two L's is a Y, isn't it? No, 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 like Australia, like A-U-S-T-R-A-I-L-I-A, Australia. No, A-L-I-A. Yeah, no, uh, uh, um, spell, spell check. I think we're all on different pages Educated here. me. <laughs> About how to spell Australia. I'm <laughs> on the, the uh, spell check page now. Thank God. I just want it to be known that I didn't know how to spell Australia. You were like an Australia. Australia. <laughs> No, it's Aus- Australia. Yes, I know. I know. You were adding an extra. L. Okay, anyways. So we're on. heading to the land of Down Under. Got it. The Aust- Australia. Australia. And we're going to talk about drop bears. Like, drop it like it's hot. I like to drop it like it's hot. Yeah, drop <laughs> bears of Australia. Have you guys heard of this? Are no. they koalas who fall out of the trees when they are too cold uh you are kind of kind of correct because in florida the lizards fall out of the trees when they are too cold interesting i do know that thank you for that um (laughs) fun fact (laughs) it's a truth all right drop bears of australia so this is a piece of australian folklore and what my future nightmares are made of oh wonderful a drop bear is a very scary koala bears So we know koalas are typically docile, plant eaters, cute little things you just want to hold. And when you go to Australia, you want to go to a koala 
ter- terrarium, aquarium, enclosure, sanctuary. <laughs> you want to go to a? <laughs> Wait, unless I'm um, wet. I, I was just gonna let you know all of that. Like the thing of nightmares, they're horrible. What? It's like what a koala. Koalas? What? Have you ever seen them? Google it right now. I don't want to move on one more second until you Google koala. A, koala? a wet koala. A wet I was gonna koala. say I know what koalas look like, and they're not scary. What Wait, you want me to Google say? wet koala? Yeah, it has. It's specific. Oh man, <laughs> they look horrific. Why did but you that is, that's koalas a, for me? Koala in an aquarium, as she was trying to indicate. <laughs> But we're going to think of the ones in a sanctuary, oh, the, the cute ones that are fluffy. So you want to go to a koala sanctuary with your, your khakis on and your binoculars and watch them eat their eucalyptus. And if you get lucky, you can hold one or cuddle one yeah. or touch touch the pouch, you know? Is it just me? I don't want to touch the pouch, but I want to <laughs> hold them and cuddle them. But touch the pouch. You want to touch their like, pouch? That seems like real weird. Okay. Just... <laughs> yeah, just a little, a little pouch. A little tappy tap. Excuse me, sir. Can I touch your pouch? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> that is accurate. I would like to do that. I feel like you made it weird. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, baby koalas are in my my top ten cute list of creatures, but not the ones like right out of the pouch. The to- toddler koalas, I like those ones. So anyway, uh, science fair fact of the day, koalas aren't bears, even though we like to call them koala bears. They're marsupials. They are marsupials. They have a pouch. Like a kangaroo. Yep. But not a pouch for storage of little koala car keys or money. Mm. I think all of us had biology, but uh, if you're confused. Yeah, but okay. Okay. So you're the one that's confused. So the down and dirty is that the pouch is basically an extra skin flap and females use it to carry their underdeveloped newborns and once the koala fetus is born it like blindly rambos its way to over the river and through the woods to the teats in the pouch <laughs> where it stays until it's ready to go hmm pouch, all right pouch so picture my pouch. panis slice a little <laughs> slice a little flap <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, koala pouches are actually, (laughs) they open towards like the, at the back, towards the the hind leg, not at the top like uh, kangaroos. And I was like, well, how do the, how do they not fall out, the little baby koalas? And it's like a giant sphincter muscle. Oh my gosh. Let's do a lot of kegels. Yeah, it holds it taut while they're swinging from tree to tree. You're welcome for that. Thank Thank you you for, um. Making me associate koalas with sphincters. Kegels. <laughs> <laughs> they work really hard. They had kegel classes for koalas. Kegels of steel. Kegels. Up, we learned how to strengthen our kegels. <laughs> so drop bears. Okay, we're ready. We learned about koalas. Drop bears are described as gigantic demon koalas that right. are large and vicious and they inhabit treetop of the, the bush, I assume. The Australian bush. Look at you. You sound like a local. Didn't, didn't that burn down? Or are we good now? Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. I honestly don't know. Everybody donate if you can, please. Seriously. I'm to not trying to the Australian bush and the... the I, well, I don't think the whole bush burned down. It was a big part of it. It was anyway, a big part of the bush. Um, All right. Edit that out. <laughs> edit out a big part of the bush. No, no. No, the whole... The, <laughs> The large bush that you're talking about is going to stay. Anyway, they inhabit the treetops and they lurk and wait until they find their prey. And then they attack unsuspecting people or other 
things as they walk beneath the treetops. And they do that by just dropping on their heads from above. They drop on their so heads? Walk, they, you, yeah, they're just walking along and then boom, here comes this giant demon koala that kills you. Nope. Yeah, what the fuck, Australia? Get it. Like, get it together i'm trying to imagine this because he said it's a large koala so it's not like an average size koala yeah right? I'll, I'll get to the actual size here in a second so they just drop Koalas from trees are pretty big. head first they like just they just drop not even nosedive they just drop and because they're giant and they just smush you Mm-mm. and that's how you die oh, okay so this gosh. is the australia version of the the lizards dropping from the trees only much more terrifying i mean we're already afraid of their spiders and their snakes right. and their wild dingoes and and now this koalas are not small despite what we think so there was a 2016 episode of nature's weirdest events that alluded to the drop bear possibly going back as far as prehistoric times possibly or originating from now a sting now oh god from a now (laughs) extinct marsupial lion so a marsupial lion hybrid and there is apparently an old native rock painting that had been found that shows this creature on a tree and the australian museum website contains an entry classifying drop bears as the size of a leopard having coarse orange fur with dark modeling with powerful forearms for climbing and for attacking prey also, a bite made using broad, powerful premolars rather than canines. They weigh about 120 kilograms, or this website, thank you, converted it to America, and it's 260 <laughs> pounds, and have a length of 130 centimeters, or 51 inches. It's like under five feet. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was holding my hand. I saw, I saw your hand going up like you were trying to ask something else all day. I thought it was a question. <laughs> question mark? I don't so know. So 60 uh, inches is five feet. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I am not 60 inches. I feel like the top of my screen is probably four feet. So that's four foot three. Sounds great. 260 pounds. I mean, that's big for four foot three. Yeah. That's, that's stocky. Per- and pure muscle. Like, Muscle, yeah. Stories of kill sites and examination of scat or poop poop or fecal matter, if we want to be classy. Classy. uh, Suggests that they mainly have a diet of medium to large species of mammals. They supposedly hunt by ambushing ground-dwelling creatures from above, waiting up to as much as four hours to make a surprise kill. Once a prey is within view, the drop bearer will drop as much as eight meters, or over 26 feet, to pounce on top of their victim. So, you're strolling along, keeping an eye out for everything else in Australia that can kill you. In the large bush. Yeah. In, in, the in the large bush. Australian bush. <clears throat> and the then there's a shadow above you, and it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a motherfucking Fucking drop bear. koala. Yes. That's a kill your ass. <laughs> uh, so the initial impact stuns the prey, allowing it to be bitten on the neck and subdued easily and quickly. If the prey is small enough, drop bears will haul it back up to the tree without harassment from other predators. Uh, are we canceling our plans to Australia yet? Well, I, mean, I, I still, still want to go, go <laughs> to the to the island um, in, of New Zealand that we talked about. That that's that's not Australia. It's close though, so I think um, I think it's not canceled. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm just not going to go in the bush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I might. I'm Whoa. kind of. Oh. Oh my god. What? We're okay. 
Did you almost drop your wine? Yes, I did. Almost drop my wine. We're fine. Everything's fine. I thought there was a spider or a koala bear dropping on you. A drop bear? No, it's just my dog under my feet. I also really appreciate the name drop bear. It's very just simple. I like it. Yeah. Thanks for keeping it real. Yeah. The bear drops. So. All right. This is where I'm going to put my, put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. All right, Missy. You ready? Ready. The terrifying drop bear is actually an imaginary animal that is designed to scare tourists while amusing the locals. When the locals tell tourists these stories of the drop bear, it's accompanied by advice of various tactics to deter drop bear attacks, Mm -hmm. such as placing forks in the hair, having Vegemite or toothpaste spread behind the ears or in the armpits, urinating on oneself, and only speaking English in an Australian accent. So you go on vacay to see the Great Barrier Reef and maybe the Sydney Opera House, and then you decide to tour the Australian countryside, uh, and you come along a local who warns you. They're like, Oi, Karen, beware of the drop bears. Oi? They'll get you. <laughs> They'll get you unless you put Vegemite on your armpits and pee yourself. And then you believe them, and you make a fool out of yourself, and that's exactly what they want. Who Who believes that? I'm sorry. <laughs> The tourists, so that they don't have uh, drop bear attacks. I know, but I'm saying who would believe that? (laughs) uh, Americans, Mm. because we're dumb. Remember? Yes, I did. You're the smartest ever. I have, I have a little segue story about how gullible I am. Um, Our yeah, so don't don't act like you're so smart. Our (laughs) one of our lovely coworkers and Boyson, you know exactly who I'm talking about, told me, "Hey, call this one eight hundred number to find out when your stimulus check comes in." So Mm-mm. I was like, no, I don't believe this, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I called it from my personal phone. And he showed me on his phone he had called it. And so I was like, okay, well, let's see. So I called it from my work phone. <laughs> and it was a sex line. Oh, my God. <laughs> was it the – it was probably the um, poison control number, but instead of 1-800, it's one eight eight eight. It was a 1-800 number. It was a legit 1-800 number. But it was like – Maybe I have it reverse then it was like so this woman answers this phone it's like automated and she's like hey welcome to fat girls where you won't believe how easy it is to get it in what? <laughs> and this is exactly <laughs> my point on my work phone so i slammed the phone down real fast and i just turned and looked at him and i said are you kidding me and he's like i didn't tell you to call it on your work phone <laughs> So I am gullible. I am gullible too. Yes, because I didn't think they were going to tell me about my stimulus check, but I didn't think it would you're be. Proving, you're line. proving my point here. Yes, I am a gullible. My point. A gullible American. So Australia has the Drop Bear Task Force, and they have a Facebook page, and it has a list of safety tips. And I thought it'd be fun to go over these. They have a legit Facebook page. Yeah, with safety tips. It's called Drop Bear Task Force, or DB. TF. Guess where I'm going right now. So the t- safety tips. Drop bears are smarter than you think and display some interesting characteristics. One thing for sure is that there are things you can do to avoid the threat of drop, drop bears when not visiting Australia. Here are our 10 most recommended tips. It starts out really helpful. So avoid drop bear prone areas. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you for that. The bush. The bush. Avoid the bush. Um, number Got two, it. try to avoid speaking in languages apart from English. Back so up. check, I can do that. Don't they speak number English? Three. English? I was going to say, they speak English. Yeah, but Am this I is, stupid? this is geared towards, this is geared towards tourists, remember? Uh, okay. Okay, okay, all right, all right. You're right. 
You're right. Number three, use the Aussie lingo. Words like Sheila and crikey will fool your average drop bear. Put another shrimp on the barbie. Right. Ex- exactly. I Number that? four, <laughs> smear Vegemite on your armpits. Nailed it. I will. Uh, and I like the rationale behind it. We think this one is a bit of a myth. However, many swear by it. So if you want to make sure you don't get flattened by a hairy meat sack, <laughs> then you may want to go to such extremes. <laughs> which i think is a valuable lesson in life (laughs) i froze at the wrong moment so all i heard was harry meets back (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just gonna let my imagination take me there on what that joke was Number five, hop on one leg. (laughs) She's she's still dying right now, okay? I really got her with the hairy meat. (laughs) I made this weird fart noise too often. (laughs) So this is all what I'm getting from this, is this is all their way of making fun of tourists. Yeah, like they have official websites and everything, like explaining drop bears. I got all of this on actual places. And then it turns out it's all just... Uh, a ruse. <laughs> Just a big hairy meat sack. And people and people <laughs> believe it. Obviously, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Can, can I move on? Yes. Sorry. 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 Hairy meat sack. Hairy meat sack. Okay. <laughs> Number five. Hop on one leg. This is an interesting one. We think that the drop bear will mistake you for a kangaroo and leave you alone if they hear hopping. All right. That feels like false. That feels like a lie. That feels like it's false. Okay. (laughs) Keep moving. Number six. Number six is keep moving. When you move around, it's hard for a bear to follow you up in the trees. If you stay in one place for a picnic, the drop bear has a chance to edge towards your location. Number seven. Wear a broad-brimmed hat. Wearing a large hat increases the viewable area of your body to a drop bear looking down from above. We have found that large hats tend to scare off some of the less aggressive drop bears. Or meat sacks. (laughs) Number eight. Sing a song, preferably Australian. (laughs) Drop bears are known to be very musical creatures and appreciate a good song. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sorry, that one's funny. (laughs) Number nine. Don't declare... Number nine, don't declare liberal political views out loud. Drop bears are highly left-wing politically and don't like hearing the other side of the story. Number ten, <laughs> don't act scared. Seriously, drop bears can smell fear a mile off. Be cautious but confident walking around the Australian bush. Don't let them see terror in your eyes. Just remember the three C's. Cautious, confident, and crikey, me Sheila's dropped a cracker. <laughs> Good luck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I really want to go to Australia now because they seem like... My kind of people. My kind of humor. They're fun. Yeah. yeah. But our drop so is those... real. That's what it comes down to. I, no. No, they're not. What? Okay. Did you, were, were you listening? Yes, I was, but I'm still no, like real. not, I feel like, I feel like koala bears can still fall. Was I that convincing? This is so They great. can still fall from the trees. I'm going to need um, Australia to respond to Sarah. Um, and let us know if drop bears this are real. This is based so... off of my knowledge, for sure, that lizards <laughs> fall from the trees. Listen, this is about you're you're comparing lizards in Florida to koala bears in I I Australia. Am. I know I am. That's all I have to go off of. Okay. Um, anybody in Australia? I do have a friend, one single friend that is from Australia. Maybe they can weigh in on it. I'll ask. 
Unless, I don't know. Anybody in Australia, I need you to please write into thetipsyghost at gmail.com and let us know about your stories about drop bears. Please and thank you. Please do. Because otherwise I'm not convinced that it's not real. That's my story about the folklore, Australian folklore of drop bears. Woohoo! I like your story voice and that was a funny one. Thank you. It was funny but also scary. All right, well, strap in, guys, because I'm about to bring you back down about 50 notches, maybe 100. Where are we traveling from? We're we're currently on Australia, and where are we where are we driving to? So, apparently, I like to do local local things, local issues, and local meaning yeah. Kansas City. Um, so that's where I did. That's I had to go back to Bob Redella. Bob Redella is from Kansas yes. City. Are we Woo-hoo! familiar with I mean, Bob? I, I don't like to cheer because he's messed up. I, I know the story, but I love. No, I don't know how to say. We this. are familiar. I get it. Yeah, you're we familiar. Are familiar. And yeah. and you get it. Yeah. So before we even dive into the story, there are so many. Like I need to put out there that this is a trigger warning for many people. Like don't yes don't jump into this story if you are offended by uh, homosexual murders child mm-hmm. murders this is this is this is rough this is rough for me to even investigate and talk about and i like true crime so i'm putting it out there there's a lot of detail i tried to be as discreet as i possibly could be about some of the details but some of them you just cannot avoid he just is what he is so it's pretty disturbing i'm gonna throw that out there you guys take with it what you will join me if you want okay we good? I'm here I'm for you. I'm joining you. We're joining. Okay, so I've got. I have joined. I have joined your call. We have joined. I'm gonna take a little sipsy before we go because whoa. Sipsy uh-huh. for the tipsy. Sipsy for the tipsy host. So here we go. I'm talking about Bob Berdella. He was born January 31st, 1949, in Ohio. His parents were Robert Berdella, Sr. and Mary Berdella. He had a brother, Daniel, who was seven years younger. He was intelligent, but he was a loner and didn't have many friends. He also had a speech impediment and wore thick glasses because he was severely nearsighted. He was bullied by other students in school. Other school. Sorry, let me pronounce that correctly. School. <laughs> and obviously this kind of like plays into how they kind of form as a person later in life. He was not athletic and Daniel, his brother, was the opposite. Robert Bradley Sr., valued sports and his physical education. So he viewed his older son's lack of interest, meaning Bob, in sports as a sign of failure and often compared him to his brother, Daniel. Bob was abused physically and emotionally by his father, and he was also beaten with a leather strap. Uh, During his adolescence, his personality began to change a little. He gained some self-confidence that uh, often displayed as attitude towards others, meaning rude and condescending. When he was 16 years old, his father died from a heart attack. Um, his father was 39, and after this, he eventually turned to religion and began reading about many different types of faiths. Eventually, he became very cynical about all different types of religion. All right, so in 1965, Bob was still only 16 years old. He saw the movie The Collector. In the movie... A man stalks and abducts a young woman he finds attractive and holds her captive in his windowless stone basement. And after several weeks, the woman dies of a contracted illness despite efforts to keep her alive. Bob stated later in the movie that, uh, sorry, Bob stated later 
And I was like, in the movie? There's a movie? <laughs> Bob stated later that the movie had a lasting impression on him. I'm sure it did. <laughs> You'll see why. Spoiler alert. Dun, dun, dun. Shortly after his father's death, his mother remarried, which he saw as an act of betrayal against his father. After this, he became more and more withdrawn. He also became more immersed in solitary activities such as painting, collecting coins and stamps, and writing to foreign pen pals in countries such as Vietnam and Burma. These pen pals would send him things for his collections like stamps, coins, photographs of mythical and historical icons, and later he would open his own business in 1982 which we'll get to here in a few minutes. Um, during his college years, he came to Kansas City in 1967 to attend the Kansas City Art Institute with aspirations to become a college professor. He developed a reputation of being a minor, I put that in like air quotes, minor drug dealer and began abusing alcohol. He also began engaging in acts of animal torture. He killed a duck and cooked it in front of his peers as art really not the kind of art that i'm used to seeing i don't know about you guys but um i mean i don't think they'll put that in the nelson atkins will they <laughs> no they'll probably pass on that one but who knows now all right so he was arrested at 19 years old for attempting to sell meth to an undercover officer and was eventually given a fine five-year suspended sentence one month after his arrest he was arrested again for possession of marijuana and lsd again minor drug dealer he cannot post bond this time, and it, actually, he spent five days in jail this time. So, big time. Big time in the in the jail. Yeah. In 1969, he withdrew from the KC Art Institute. I think it was probably after, like, a lot of um, pressure from, from everybody there to, like, you need to, you need to not, and we're going to need you to withdraw. It's kind of what I gathered from everything. So, uh, eventually, he moved into 4315 Charlotte Street. And it's located in the Hyde Park District in Kansas City. Are either of you familiar with this? Yes, I am. Yes. It's actually not that far from downtown. It's actually, what, downtown Kansas City? Would you consider that downtown Kansas City? Isn't it I mean, down by, like, yeah. the plaza area? Isn't that Hyde Park? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, like, slightly south? Yeah, it's like the fancy. Um, yeah, it's pretty fancy. Big, big, huge houses and yards. I mean, it's a really nice area. I've actually looked at pictures of his house and his house is not that fancy, but he lived in a pretty fancy district. So I don't know how he did that, but whatever. He spent most of his time downtime with male prostitutes, drug addicts, petty criminals, and runaways. He would typically become friends with them and try to help them with their addictions. Most of his neighbors viewed him as a foster parent to many of these young men. Uh, I don't like this. Sorry. <laughs> he was not viewed as a threat to many neighborhood people. And he was uh, kind of an ideal neighbor, if you will. He actually like uh, volunteered to do neighborhood patrol watch. I think that that was kind of a ploy, if you will, to get in good with the neighbors. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, it's always the people you don't suspect. The people <laughs> who are great citizens and they're like, oh, I never suspected them. I'm like, that's because they're right. sociopaths and they like know how to play people. 100%. I've seen pictures of Bob, as I'm sure you guys both have, and he's not like a physically overbearing guy, so it's not like he could like demand the room with his looks. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, right. he had to come across other ways to uh, to uh, take over the situation. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, he opens up a store called Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. How about that for a play on words? Say that five times fast. 
Come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's from Bazaar, Bazaar. Bob's from Bazaar, Bazaar. Bob's from Bazaar, Bazaar. He's good enough, I think. <laughs> you did at great. Least were, <laughs> at least there were no W's. Okay. In 1982, he began. I hate both of you. <laughs> All right. So in 1982, he rented his own booth in Westport at the flea market and named it Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. He primarily sold primitive art, jewelry, and antiques. During this time, he befriended another merchant. His name was Paul Howell. He operated a booth near his, and soon he became acquainted with Paul's son, Jerry. Bob states that Jerry confided that he and his friends would earn money as male prostitutes. Like, obviously, this was over time. Like, he didn't just walk in and say, hey, my friends and I are prostitutes. No, this took some time. He kind of groomed him, if you will. He went in and uh, talked to him and befriended him. And then finally, Jerry just slipped it out that he and his friends earned money on the side as prostitutes. So then Bob's radar went off. Mm. So here you go. Then we start getting into the murder section and here we go. This is rough. Bob and Jerry became closer friends. And in July of 1984, Bob promised to drive Jerry to attend a dance in Miriam, Miriam, Kansas. Suburb. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Close to Kansas city. According to Bob Bardella, he gave Jerry alcohol, Valium and asimeprazine. Does anybody know what that is in modern times? Asimeprazine. No. I don't either. <clears throat> Until he became unconscious. Eventually, he injected Jerry with heavy tranquilizer before binding him to the bed inside of Bob's apartment, where he stayed for approximately 28 hours. Throughout his captivity, captivity, <laughs> Bob repeatedly drugged, tortured, raped, and violated him with foreign objects. Bob states that eventually Jerry, quote, either asphyxiated on his own vomit or the combination of the gag and the medicines were too strong for him to be able to catch his breath. So hey, I, I Googled asimeprazine. Oh, thank you. Say that. It is, was used in the 1950s as an antipsychotic, but is oh. now almost exclusively used on animals as a sedative and anti-emetic. Oh, wow. wow. Anti-emetic means you don't vomit. So, I mean, things are just so so weird. The medications are so weird. Used differently. Who knows what's going on? Anyhow, after Jerry was dead, Bob dragged his body to the basement where he hung him above a pot and drained his blood. No. So he basically hung him like a piece of meat over a cauldron is what mm -hmm. I described of and, and slit his elbows and wrist and the backs of his knees to drain the blood into the pot. Um, and after this happened, he then dismembered his body and put it into trash bags and then put those body pieces of trash bag into the trash bags and put them out to the garbage like it was nothing so mm. that it could be taken away. So <sighs> told you it was going to be rough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's his first murder, right? That's number one. Yeah. yeah, and you're already yeah. like, I mean, dude's going all out. Yeah, it gets a lot worse. So, again, if you don't if you don't like what you just heard, then maybe don't keep going. But nobody likes what we heard. Like, let's just be honest; it's all horrible. <laughs> but if this is too weird, then okay, fine, fair, I get it. So over the next four years, uh, Bardella would continue with this pattern. Each new victim was lured carefully into his house by being drugged, abused, and then killed and disposed of. Throughout this time, he kept notebooks 
that detailed his methods. That's how we know about all this stuff. Uh, he also documented everything with pictures. And I think that that's also what eventually, you know, I mean, as if there weren't enough nails in the coffin for this guy, this also did it for him. So in uh, the spring of 1985, his next victim was Robert Sheldon. Sheldon Berdella was adamant he had no firm malice. It's word. Uh, firm malice. Firm malice. Yeah, that's what they used to describe it towards Sheldon. But he actually saw him as an inv- individual who he could express some anger and frustration that he had towards other people. So he didn't. He wasn't actually angry towards him, but he didn't like other people. So he was going to take it out on Robert Sheldon. So Sheldon was drugged with sedatives and held captive in the second floor bedroom for three days while enduring different forms of torture, including swabbing drain cleanser. In his left eye. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't do eyes. <laughs> Does anybody mm, do eyes? I don't no. know, but like, I, I don't mind eyes. I can't even I like. Eyes. I am with you, Lindsay. I don't I, do eyes. I can't even like watch people do contacts. Like nobody can touch my eye. Like yeah, I'm. We're contacts, so that's that. But you, you've seen like <laughs> Friends, right? How Rachel is with eyes on Friends. That's how I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you will not like this. No. The next time I see you, I'm just gonna poke my eye. Oh, I can't. I decide. No. no, 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 no. I can't. <laughs> I don't know. Never why. let people know your weakness. I know. Like my friends in college, I had to have eye drops because I got like an infection or whatever once. And it took all three of them to hold me down and give me eye drops because I just can't. Hmm. I don't do eyes. Oh, good grief. I used to work in an area where we saw a lot of eye injuries. Nope. I also hated them. (laughs) Can't do it. I get it. I get it. It will never, I will never be desensitized from eye injuries. I'll say. Nope. It's awful. Um, so he did it though on purpose in an attempt to blind his victims. <laughs> honestly, I know. I don't know why he did it in the left eye. All right, here we the go. Next story is gonna be about eyes. No. Sorry. Um, okay, so the other form of torture that he did besides swabbing drain cleanser into the eye was inserting needles beneath his fingertips. And binding his wrist with piano wire with the intent to cause nerve damage in his hands. Points in his lap. Did I fuck it up? No, you didn't. (laughs) Lindsay's freaking out. I am totally calm and just laughing at her. This is only number two. I swear to God, it gets so much worse. But it's all like cringy things that like people hate, like eyes and needles underneath. I know. Fingernails. That's why I tried to give a trigger warning. Like I tried to be fair. I don't know what else to do. I have no choice but to listen to this. So just continue. This is great. Everything's fine. Okay. So beyond the the piano wire with intent to cause nerve damage to his hands, that sounds like fairly docile compared to the acid in the eyes. Um, He also filled his ears with caulking in an attempt to deafen him. So uh, Bob decided to fatally suffocate Robert Sheldon after three days when a workman showed up at the house. Um, so he kind of panicked and threw this bag around him and then tightened a whole bunch of rope around his neck and, and basically suffocated him um, until he died. Bob eventually buried Sheldon's head in the backyard. Just the head. Just the head. Okay. Everything else was set out to the garbage for him. Why not? Right. So 
I mean, there are a lot of details that go into these murders. And I'm I'm just telling you about like the six murders, not that like what goes on in between each thing. So it sounds weird. It's like the next murder. You know what I mean? So his next victim was Mark Wallace. Bordella found Wallace hiding in his tool shed during a thunderstorm and was offered chlorpormerazine. I know that one. Do tell. It's Thorazine. To help him calm down and relax. I feel like that would help him calm down and relax, right? Yes. Shortly after, he was held captive in the upstairs bedroom where Bob, quote unquote, experimented with hypodermic needles by inserting them into the muscles in his back as acupuncture, um, as well as delivered electric shocks to his body by alligator clamps that were applied to his nipples. Bob noted that he died from a combination of, quote unquote, the drugs, the gag, and the lack of oxygen. Remember that he keeps like a notebook of these things. So that's how we know all these things when he says later. So in the fall of 1965, James Ferris, an acquaintance of Verdella's, called and asked to stay with him for a while. Shortly after moving in, Bob drugged him and tied him to the bed before torturing him for approximately 27 hours. Oh my gosh. And your body can, I mean, I guess, yeah, body can probably withstand it for that long. But only that long, I feel like that's about it. The torture included electrical shocks and again, quote unquote, acupuncture. And after a while, he noticed that Ferris was unable to breathe and declining and documented his death by writing the number 86 in his notebook. So um, during his time in Kansas City, he also worked as a chef. And that is a common term and 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 uh, shorthand that chefs use when they're done with an order or to throw it out. They write 86 all the time or get rid of it. So he wrote 86 in his notebook. I mean, he later explained that this was meant to throw it out or to stop the project. So his next victim was in the summer of 1986, and he reconnected with a friend who was a male prostitute. His name was Todd Stoops. Like the others, Todd was lured to Bradella's house and taken captive. During his capture, Bradella used electrical shocks through his closed eyelids oh, in an attempt to blind him. And also injected drain cleanser into his larynx to silence his screaming. Oh my gosh. And after about two weeks, Stoops died from a combination of internal bleeding and septic shock. Two weeks? Yes. Yes. And if we're going to get really specific, I talked to Boydston about this earlier because this is really detailed. So like, please turn me off. If you are going to be not okay with really, really detailed situations, but everywhere you look, I mean, says that uh, he was assaulted sexually, uh, anally, and fisted, basically, and he bled internally for days and then eventually died from internal bleeding and sepsis. Oh, my gosh. It's horrible. Yeah, I'm really glad you went last now. So I'm telling you, I was reading this and even like, oh my God, I don't know if I can even, I don't even know if I can talk about this. This is rough. But it's like, like Boyson said, if we're going to talk about it, I'm going to tell you all the things. Right. All right. So in the summer of 1987, he brought Larry Pearson to the house and Pearson torture lasted about six weeks, six weeks. So the last one was two weeks and we thought that one was long, but Pearson oh my gosh. lasted six weeks. Oh That's awful. That's so, so sad. At the end of his six weeks, and he endured 
almost the same torture methods that the others did with the shocking and the sexual abuse and everything. It was horrible. But at the end of the six weeks, he couldn't take it anymore. So um, he decided he was going to act out and he basically bit down on Bob Berdella's penis during an oral sexual assault. And after this happened, uh, Berdella freaked out, right? And he bludgeoned him with a tree stump and suffocated him and it eventually killed him. Uh, But after this happened, Bob went to the nearest hospital to receive medical treatment and decided, like all assholes do, to press charges against Larry Pearson for biting him during right wait so he pressed charges against someone he had just killed that's correct wouldn't that lead the police trail like right to him you would think but it appears that nothing happened this just does not seem very smart there's so many not smart things about this but also who does that like you just murdered somebody and you're gonna press charges like how narcissistic are you yeah i tortured you for six weeks but that doesn't give you the right to bite down on my penis and hurt me. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you back. Oh my God. So messed up. Ugh. So on March 29th, 1988, Bob Berdella abducted his last victims and his name was Christopher Bryson. He was 22 years old. He was also lured to Bob's house and then knocked unconscious. He was also tortured with similar methods because Bob likes what he likes. I mean, that's what he does. He does the same things over and over again. So by the third day, Christopher had basically won the trust of Babardella and convinced him to move his hands from the back of him to the front. And that took a lot of time, apparently, a lot of trust. Once he did that, he realized that there was a book of matches in the room and Bob left for the day to go to work. And Christopher realized that the matches were there and was able to get a hold of the matches and burn his rope and escape from his binding. So he was able actually to escape from the house and he jumped from a second floor window and he was wearing nothing but a dog collar around his neck. And apparently he ran across the street and was yelling hysterically as anybody would towards the neighbors and uh, was able to get hopefully the attention of somebody and they later called the police. So on the afternoon of Bryson's escape, Bernella was arrested on charges of pertaining to the sexual assault of Christopher Bryson. He declined to allow offers into his home. A search warrant was issued and later they were able to get into the house. They were able to corroborate Bryson's claims and they found burnt ropes attached to the post at the foot of the bed. Mm. Uh, Also in the room was an electrical transformer, plugged into a wall and with wires leading to the bed. A metal tray was also there containing syringes, small bottles, apparently containing prescription drugs, swabs, and eye drops were also close to the bed. Also found in the room were long iron pipes, various lengths of rope, and leather belts. Investigators also noticed that the posts on the bed had been extensively worn and suggested that restraints had earlier been tied to these posts, and that the individual had struggled to free themselves. Searching later in the house, they were able to find a skull in a closet, which is something you don't normally find in a house. And they were also able to find several human teeth. Uh, He kept lots of trophies. Yeah, he was a creepster. He kept a hacksaw and a, is it miter or meter? Miter Miter saw. Thank you, bless you both. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can, you can tell I don't do too much. Doesn't seem weird until you find it in the base in the basement with like some teeth and skulls. It's fine. Uh, the chainsaw was also found to have um, blood stains, flesh, and pubic hairs. He just Luminol like really did not clean up at all. <laughs> no. Luminol test revealed that the floor of his basement and two plastic trash barrels were extensively blood stains. So he didn't do a very good job cleaning up after himself. But we're getting it. So I mentioned earlier he liked to keep uh, trophies, kind of like what we talked about, and his trophies were Polaroid pictures in specific. So he had approximately 334 Polaroid pictures oh and 34 snapshot printouts of various male individuals who were also found, and they were stored in various locations. Within his house. So he like just, I don't know, kept him in different places. Lindsay, do tell. Is that is that a thing? That do serial uh, killers keep like trophies and store them in about their house? So it's part of their narcissistic... Oh gosh, now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of their... <laughs> I gotta slow it down. Narcissistic tendencies. There we go. There we go. But yes, I've seen it a lot. Wait a second. I haven't seen it. I've read about it a lot. You know, Bundy right. had trophies and BTK had trophies. Yeah. They all, you know, were narcissists and like to keep trophies. That's a thing, apparently. They're sick. Uh, yeah, they are. They are very sick. And they aren't really that concerned. I'm I'm learning the narcissists are not that concerned about cleaning up after themselves. No. The trail is there. Like you just got to look and their narcissistic personality is just so, so thick that they don't think that they're even going to be caught to be looked at. Like BTK was so confident he wasn't getting caught and he wasn't that he purposely 20 years later started going after the police again and taunting them just so he would get caught because he was bored. Yep. He used his old evidence and that all the stuff that he had saved and photocopied some of the pictures used some hair some trinkets jewelry and sent that in as evidence like this is this is really me i am btk right. and like bundy he was able to stay hidden for so long because he jumped state lines and was constantly all over the place and he escaped uh custody yeah. twice so, so that, he that escapes custody out of windows literally yeah. He escapes yeah. custody while he's waiting trial for, you know, murder and goes and commits more murders. And so it's just, I think he, sometimes they get bored and they get tired and want to be caught. And also they get older, which is what happened with BTK. He got older, his body couldn't handle it anymore with binding people and overpowering them. And, you know, they want recognition and you get that by being caught. Ooh, good point. Because honestly, I, I think I touched on this earlier, but like Bob was not... A big guy. He wasn't like overbearing physically to mm-hmm. these guys. So he had to find a way to overpower them. And it was mostly physical, but either physical and emotional because he messed with them emotionally. But then he also like physically overpowered them with all these medications and then just went on from there. He was a mess. Well, there's so many serial killers who start making stupid decisions at the end. And I think yeah. that's them wanting to get caught. Yeah. Well, there are recordings, I think, of Bob giving to different different like uh, news stations about how after a couple of days, he told his victims something along the lines of, I'm like, please don't quote me on those things, but like something along the lines of like, if if you earn my trust, then you can have special privileges, basically. And mm. this didn't happen to the first couple, but it was only the last few. And the last one is 
his downfall, honestly. And yeah. thank God for that. But like, that's what really brought him under was he trusted Christopher Ryson, and that's what happened. He brought his hands to the front and he was able to burn his ropes and jump out of the window. Yeah. So you get, you get, they get cocky is what's happening. Mm-hmm. They get overconfident. Okay. So anyhow, um, on July 22nd, a uh, grant, uh, 1988, I should spare, specify, sparify, sparify, sparify. <laughs> On July 22nd, 1988, a grand jury formally indicted Bob Berdella of the murder of Larry Wayne Pearson. So only that one. And again, remember that they have to only bring them to court or indict them on something that they know that they can basically get them on. So that was interesting to me that there were six. The one was who they brought him to court for. So the following month, he was arraigned and pleaded guilty to the Jackson County Court before Judge Alvin Randall, and the count was first-degree murder of Larry Pearson. So following the submission and acceptance of this plea, the judge insisted that Berdella confess under oath to Pearson's death and all the others so that basically he could be spared the death penalty. So that's what he did. He basically came back to court and told everybody that he was guilty of all the others, and he agreed to tell them the details of everything so he brought his journal later, which which went into detail, of course, of all his shorthand. The shorthand was messed up. It said things like uh, CP for chlorpyrimazine, meaning that he injected into their veins, and DC referred to swabbing drain cleanser into either their eyes or larynx to inject their vocal cords. So, yeah. Um, after he went to jail at the Missouri State Penitentiary, he made multiple, 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 multiple. <laughs> You're just combining words. It's okay. <laughs> I'm reading and combining. It's easier that way. Okay. It's he your own shorthand. <laughs> he made multiple complaints about his heart medications that weren't being given to him. In 1992, in October, he actually started complaining of chest pains. They sent him to the infirmary. The infirmary decided that wasn't in their scope. So they sent him to the hospital. He died that day. I kind of get the feeling that people were like, we don't want to give you your medications like two birds. That's kind of the impression they got. He made multiple complaints. Nobody was listening and they sent him to the hospital and everybody was like, I'm sorry, you're having chest pain. What? Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Um, The judge who later ruled over his case when he heard that he died said, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Mm, I mean, mm. he killed what six people and tortured them. Admittedly, I yeah. don't think he's a nice. I don't Brutally. think he's a nice guy. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he's a nice guy. Yo, that was rough. Uh, but it's also sad, like about prison conditions. You know, yeah. it is sad about prison conditions. You're right. It is, and that's you know a long discussion on morals and ethics and and whatnot but essentially in america we have uh the court system and a judge and jury and all of that that can sort of um help with deciding the fate of people who are uh, accused of doing terrible things and that um should the argument could be that should be what happens to this person and it shouldn't be interfered with, but other people are human. That was a rough one, but 
Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So there are so many debatable issues as far as like uh, prison care and like, uh, we don't even have to get into that because it's just rough. It's rough. <laughs> so many aspects because you have a hard time having empathy for people. Right. Who- but we can take this story up a notch though, because Sarah and I kind of have ties sort of kind of to this not really this case, but kind of this case because we have visited a magical place in Las Vegas. I wanted to tell you, I wanted to bring this up because of that. I actually kind of wanted to talk about this because I actually didn't know much about Bob the Butcher. That's what they they call him. That's what he's known as here in Kansas City. I did not know much about him until I traveled to Las Vegas of all places. And I decided I wanted to go visit Zag Bagans Haunted Museum. I had to. I had to. I'm a huge fan. And we love all things haunted. I love all things haunted. And so standing there in line, like, first of all, I forced my sister-in-law to go because nobody else wanted to go with me. And I'm like, please, first, for the love of God, please just come with me. It's going to be so good. And thankfully, she was like the nicest person ever. And she's like, sure, I'll do anything. It's fine. And we went went there. We will go with you. (laughs) Yes. It was just her and I. It's just one person. And we stood for first in line. And I looked up and friggin' Zach Bagans is standing outside of his museums, which why wouldn't he? Like it's his museum. Um, but also you don't expect right. to see He seems that. like a busy guy, you know? Right. Yeah. He seems pretty busy. So I'm standing there and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? I say this to Zach. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, it's, it's my museum (laughs) that's a total zach response and i'm like true but also why are you here like what this doesn't seem normal so i said uh would you please come take a picture with me and he did and it was the most glorious day of my life i loved it so much so so jealous you have a selfie with him yeah it's such a good picture of you too i i have a picture so basically um zach and i are best friends that's what i'm trying to get at we are besties after that happened he said where are you from where he said we're from kansas city we talked a little bit back and forth he said do you know about the the butcher of kansas city and i said yeah yeah i totally do i didn't (laughs) I didn't really know much about. I knew a little bit, but not to the detail of what I know now. So yeah, anyways, he, it turns out Zach had purchased something from Bob's house. Uh, That something was the mattress that was used to torture his victims on in the second floor bedroom. Is that right, boys? Yeah. Did you ever get to see the actual exhibit or was it? Not there yet. When I saw it, it, well, I didn't see it because it was in the basement and he was like, it's too much. It's too fresh. It's too raw. We haven't done anything to this thing. It's It's on quarantine as he likes to say. Yeah. So he was like, it's not ready, you know? And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. But I didn't know what it was is what I'm saying. Okay. So I came, I visited Las Vegas and Zach's museum after that sometime. And uh, I drug my fiance there and he's not interested he had seen ghost adventures though so he's like all right sure i'll go but i was super excited i did not get to see zach um i was looking for him i like to think that he was in his little monitor room just watching and all that but anyway uh we come across the exhibit for bob the butcher and 
I didn't know about it at the time and I was absolutely fascinated. It's this little, it's kind of like a, a small hallway cubby area. It's got a bunch of photos, like victim photos that Bob took. It's got um, some artifact or, you know, his souvenirs that he saved. And it's the main feature is evidence, police evidence. It's the bed, mattress. It It is set up to look like somebody was just there and just tied up. I mean, it still has ties on all four posts. It still has stains on the mattress and it still has a blanket with stains on it. There is Kansas City Police Department evidence tape everywhere. It looks legit and it was terrifying and fascinating all at the same time. They did a really great job. I don't know how he got all of this stuff. I looked it up. Apparently it was all auctioned off to one person. That money went towards the legal fees. Oh, wow. And um, for him, like, Bob? Well, he couldn't. He Probably couldn't had a pay public for defender. his own legal fees. So yeah, so it all went went towards that, and and then it was all auctioned off again by that one person who owned everything. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he had actual things with actual stains. Yeah, he had some things. Yeah, with actual stains. If you can get what we're getting at, and it was rough, rough. apparently. It was a hard hitter. I didn't get to see, and Zach actually. Uh, alluded to the fact that it was too rough for anybody to see at the moment because it hadn't been quarantined, which I can see now. Right. Uh, after you told me what you saw, like, I don't know that I want to see it not behind glass. You oh, know what I mean? Like, not behind plexiglass. Yes. It was not. It was just down in the open for everybody to see. So, yeah, there we go. So, Bob, you can That's fuck crazy. off. That's what we're going to say. Right. And now I feel very left out that you guys went to see Zach's museum. And don't I have you worry. We, the three of we us, need to go. go back. I've never even been to Vegas, so it's on my list. What, can we go with what? you? Yes, please. <laughs> There's so many fun haunted things in Vegas, but also his museum is super fun. It's a blast. I love it. Road Did trip. You like it, Boydston? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're all going to need a break and a vacation, so road trip. That's road all Road trip. Saying. I'm flying to <laughs> Vegas. I'm not driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god road Rides trip will probably be super cheap and i have flight credit because i had to cancel my vacation oh, yeah so. also i think it's probably cheaper to fly at this point than to drive to vegas from kansas yes. city i'm just saying anyways right, that's in the book that's all we got Lindsay. where can they find us okay so thanks for listening to our smorgasbord episode you can find us at the tipsy ghost on instagram and facebook and email us with any Cool, supernatural, true crime, folklore, myths, whatever. We don't care. We'll read it all at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Also, if you're in Australia and you have drop bear stories, please send that in. (laughs) Yes. Please do. (laughs) Please do. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.